if you look at any high performing team, and I call a business a team of different personalities, there are so many high performing teams in the world. Like clearing example is Apple, or you know, you look at some of these football teams. They all have a very strong leadership, and it's not autocratic management. It's leadership whereby everyone is working towards a vision. The problem within an agency, everyone tends to be working towards their own vision. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. With thanks to our partner Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking and strategies to elevate your results. To get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Welcome to another episode of the Elevate podcast where we delve into some of the most interesting minds in business and in real estate for the very best tips and strategies for you to implement to elevate your business. I'm Samantha McLean, editor of Elite Agent and host of today's show. My guest today is no stranger to Elite Agent. Pancho Marotra is an expert in the area of communication, influence and the psychology of selling. He's in the magazine a lot. He's been on the podcast quite a few times and over the years, he's offered our listeners a wealth of great advice. So welcome back to the show, Pancho. Thank you very much for having me, Samantha. It's good to be here. Yeah, I was nearly going to say welcome back, Oprah. But <laughs> Well, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm not sure how I should take that title. <laughs> I was listening back to one of our previous episodes and, and um, I, I think I'd referred to you as Elite Agent's own Oprah, solver okay. of problems, solver yes. of psycho, psycho, psychological type things. Yeah, well, I suppose the, uh, the current environment, um, that kind of uh, skill set, can become quite uh, important, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it has, and again, you know, like it, it's funny, the last time I spoke to you was right at the beginning of all the lockdowns yes. last year and, um, you know, we talked about, you know, how to deal with uncertainty and stuff like that and, boy, you know, like we thought we'd gotten past the uncertainty hump, hey, and, and yeah. now all of a sudden 2021 I think has provided more of it. Well, yeah, um, it, it, it seems like... Uh, you know, we're talking about the environment and how uncertain it is. Um, and some people are rising to the surface and really, really doing well. And um, and there are some people who are really, really struggling. So, you know, the, the environment is what it is and you can't change it. Uh, it's like changing the weather. You can't do much about it. Economic policy, leadership policy, which I have a great deal of uh, comment on, but I won't. Um, it's very, very difficult to change. So, you know, our, our talk today is about emotional intelligence, is the ability to be able to be adaptive to the environment. Darwinism um, mm. in itself. So Oprah, I think, talks a lot about those kind of areas, about, you know, dealing with uncertainty. Actually, well, Oprah talked to Harry and Meghan this year. If you were Oprah, what would you have said to those two? Oh, my gosh. Um, I, Where do I, we I start? I, I, I don't want to go there. I, I have <laughs> my own opinions on, on, on uh, the couple. And um, there's a there's a if you really pull a, pull it apart, you can you can read a lot into the kind of information being communicated um, non-verbally uh, by those two. 
and uh, it, it would it'd be a fascinating um, training on understanding um, the truth and the untruths. But mm. I don't want to go there at the moment. They do say definitely that body language um, reveals a lot, especially when it comes to sales, and it's, it's very interesting you say that. But um, let's get back to... to where um, where we're at at the moment. So yep. you're currently in Sydney lockdown. Yes. Um, and something that, fun fact, you know, because I was kind of going through my notes on, on you, thinking about what new things can we talk about. Yes. And um, fun fact, uh, you're a tennis player or yes. you used to be on the circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, have you been, with all the, the stuff going on in Sydney at the moment, have you been able to keep up with your practice? Like what's it been like trying to navigate that, which is something that's so important to you? Um, okay, so um, I don't play social tennis because I'm very, very competitive. Um, I don't see the point of actually getting on a court without actually competing. Right. Um, so, uh, but I've been very, very fortunate that um, my son uh, is looking to uh, move into the professional ranks. And so uh, I'm sometimes fortunate when he's got time to hit with me once a week. And so I, uh, tennis is one of those activities whereby you have social distancing, you know, and you're yeah. in the same family so, yeah. and uh, you can do it. So um, it's, uh, I've, I've been able to uh, work out with him. Unfortunately, um, he's gone to Tunisia. Uh, and um, so I'm left with my usual partner, which is the wall. <laughs> and, and I can spend hours hitting against the wall and feeling pretty good about it. But it's, uh, and I do that, and you know, I, I, I'm pretty fit. So um, tennis is a big thing. It, it's, it's, it's really interesting with, when you're competitive. Um, it's very hard to turn that competitive nature off. Mm. It just, mm. It's just a part of your DNA. You know, you're always looking to compete, 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 compete. Even from a small age, it was all about you know, the need to win. Yeah, absolutely. That's interesting, actually, because I wanted to talk to you about some of um, some of the articles that you've re- written recently mm. about salespeople who can be too competitive. Yes. But let's let's kick off with one of the more recent ones, which was yep. really really popular, and mm. that was the trouble with hiring a rainmaker. Yeah. So you know, as salespeople by nature, we we are quite competitive. Yeah. Um, and rainmakers, obviously, you know, you hire a rainmaker to bring in the business, but often they can ruffle a few feathers internally yes. with, you know, that approach to competition. Yes. So, first of all, what should agencies consider if they're looking to hire a, a top-selling agent or, you know, what we lovingly call a rainmaker? The biggest uh, challenge is more about the leadership um, because what I find is that, most leaders in businesses aren't actually leaders, they're more managers. And so that they don't actually have the capability to actually manage a, a rainmaker and the, and the interdynamics between the team. And uh, more than likely what actually happens is that the rainmaker sort of is, is let, let go. There's no controlling sort of mandate about behavior. And it's like, it's like a, one of the, what's it? Uh, you let the, a fox into the hen house. And yep. it's all chaos, <laughs> yeah. And, and and so you get chaos in interrelationships between people within the business, 
and, and yet the, the manager is ill-equipped to actually manage that person. It's like having a, a dysfunctional family whereby one is very ego-driven, narcissistic, sociopathic tendencies. And then uh, you, you want the dollars, but you don't want the poor behavior. And But peel it back is are you actually capable of actually managing a, um, a high uh, achievement orientation type personality? Managers, uh, what I say leaders do in high-performing football teams. Um, they'll have a bunch of egos. I mean, you, can you imagine the egos in some of the teams such as uh, the All Blacks or Manchester United or Barcelona and how the, the, the manager takes on a leadership mentorship role but and, and they, you know, they're buying players for hundreds of millions of pounds and they've got to manage and get everyone working as a team. Otherwise, it doesn't work. So it, it's, I often find it's a sort of a, a damning indictment of the lack of leadership and whereby it's just bring the numbers in, mate, and everything will be fine. But um, most of the time when you have a rainmaker, it affects uh, the morale in the business, the culture of the business, and most importantly, it affects people wanting to come into that business. And, they, and the principal is going, well, we've got such an attraction agent. Why aren't people knocking on my door to come in? When I've interviewed leaders, you know, I've often asked the question, how do you manage top performers? And most of them will say we get out of their way. Yes. Um, but what you're saying is that's probably not the best idea. No. Um, I mean, if you look at it's, – it's interesting. If you look at any high-performing team, and I call a business a team of different personalities, there are so many high-performing teams in the world, like clearing example is Apple, or, you know, you look at some of these football teams. They all have a very strong leadership, and it's not autocratic management. It's leadership whereby everyone is working towards a vision. The problem within an agency, everyone tends to be working towards their own vision. There's no shared vision. There's no, uh, there's no emphasis on, on, on values alignment within an organization. So everyone's sort of running their own little business. And, they, and this is all sort of, I suppose, propagated or encouraged that you run your own little business within the business, your own, your own little pod, and you do whatever it takes to bring the listings in. And, but there's very little... Um, you know, in some businesses, you often see these people, you know, says, I walk into businesses and everyone takes their laptop the moment they go out to lunch because there's a lack of trust. And so you, this is this is leadership. Um, it's, it's a problem because um, the whole game of real estate is going to be changing with the advent of new technology coming in. Okay, so let me ask you, what exactly should you be looking for in terms of personality traits? Um, that allow a salesperson to be both a top performer and a good team member, a good team player? Well, I would say uh, if any type of organization, the most important thing they're looking for is uh, coachability. The, uh, the, the openness to be coached and to evolve, to learn, um, it's one of the hallmarks of any high-performing uh, elite uh, salesperson in uh, I've got quite a number of them that work directly with me one-on-one, -on -one, and most of them are so open, and they're all, uh, most of them are all hitting over 800,000 to 2 million a year, but they're humble and they're coachable and they're hungry to learn. And it, that coachable, uh, I think Wayne Bennett spoke about it along, says, give me someone who is coachable and, and then we can grow that person. 
but someone who's set in their ways, who won't uh, learn, won't won't try new things, um, is 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 a limitation of character. If they're a top performer and they're showing a bit of, you know, I'm I'm great tendencies, like arrogant kind of tendencies, it's the yes. message is steer clear. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, it really depends on what you want. Um, if you're prepared, uh, and it, once again, uh, when we looked at this emotional intelligence, we we also reversed it, whereby we looked at the manager or the principal, and one of the key things we we determined was were you a high touch manager or leader or a low touch manager or leader. And that depended upon the type of person that you wanted to bring into your business. If you're a high touch, then you probably want to get involved in that person and mentor them. So you need to hire accordingly. But if you're a low touch, you, you, you're kind of like the person that says, okay, we'll bring them in. There's your seat. Go to it. And you let them run their own little show. So that's a really important aspect of understanding what kind of uh, person are you? Do, you? do you low touch or high touch? And that determines... And that's where you get a lot of, um, uh, I suppose, argy-bargy, whereby you know, you've got a person who's very, very high touch, but he's been brought into an organization whereby there's low touch type of um, uh, people working, whereby you're kind of floundering. And that's one of the reasons why I've got a lot of friends in the recruitment space. And they were telling me, you know, nearly you know, 80 to 90% of new people within the first 90 days are looking to exit. Yeah. Just a phenomenal cost to your business. Yeah. The cost of hiring the wrong person is is terrible because it's not just I was talking about this to someone the other day. It's not just about the time and effort that you spend onboarding them and training them and all the rest of it. You've actually got to offboard them as well. <laughs> like, yes. you know, internally and that takes time too. I can't quote the numbers, but nearly thirty percent of your uh, onboarding costs uh, on the salary all the benefits and commissions. So if you, if you imagine that you've got someone that you, you're paying a base wage and all this, 30% of your, of your fee, 30% uh, of the costs are there just on hiring that person that are a hard cost that you never recover if they leave after three to four months. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. So let's move on. Um, yeah. Earlier in the year, you wrote an article about nature versus nurture and the phenomenon that many agency directors would be familiar with where yes. you do hire the high performer, you go yeah. all in on the high performer and then they fall short. Yeah. Um, so they just, it doesn't turn out to be the way that you thought it was anyway. Yeah. Um, so I think we were sort of about to go there anyway, but how do you improve the odds of, of hiring someone that's going to work out? Okay. So as I said, uh, the most important ingredients that I've, um, when, I've, when we've profiled high-performing salespeople is, is a couple of things that we look for, which is one is what's their achievement orientation, which is how, how goal-orientated are they to work towards an, an, an end objective? So uh, a lot of people don't have very many end objectives. So unless you actually know what you want, um, you're kind of meandering through life. And the other, the other thing is you need a person with high energy levels. So you need to actually measure their high energy levels and because you need energy to go after your goals. Um, and if you don't have those two, then um, you can have a lot of people who talk about it but don't do any action. So you need sort of to a certain extent, you need to be able to manage the action and guide them. And so you're looking for certain in ingredients. Um, and... Uh, 
having profiled a very large uh, subset of people, um, people become very predictive. Then I can virtually go down to when I look at someone's profile and I go, there's a difference between uh, three basis points and five basis points. And I can say, okay, this person is going to be roughly around this kind of income area. And if we can improve certain aspects, then they're going to go up this way. So one of the aspects that we look at specifically just for salespeople is the um, how sensitive are they? And the reason why we uh, look at that area is that sensitivity is their ability to actually um, not take rejection personally. Because uh, a lot of them take it personally and they become dysfunctional for a long period of time and they're, and they're moping around and they're taking every rejection personally and not able to actually, the problem is if you're taking rejection personally, you actually aren't a very good negotiator because at that moment when someone is saying no or disputing with you, you can't negotiate because you're in your mind, you're getting, oh my God, oh my God, versus thinking, oh, how can I change this person's, it's, it's all about how well can you change a person's mind? Yeah. Well, that was the topic of, I think, our last get-together where we were talking about, you know, not getting defensive when people um, came up with objections, but rather, you know, take it as a challenge and work out where the objection's coming from. Have the ability to actually think about, you know, uh, what are they basing that objection on? Is it information? Is it, you know, hearsay? What is it? I mean, those their ability to be patient in a negotiation is one of the hallmarks of really a, a really good negotiator because they're prepared to be patient and really get to the heart of the matter with someone. Now, if you have very high uh, sensitivity and you're reacting to re rejection, you're more likely to go into the attack versus trying to figure out where there's some middle ground and some common ground. Yeah. And so let's just say you... Um You've hired the top performer and they're yep. doing pretty well with you. Mm -hmm. What what are some tips to making sure that they don't leave? Well, one of the curious things that we've found with high performers is that um, they need to be continually challenged. They need to be developed. Um, in fact, the, the, how you develop these people is different to, say, the, uh, the run of the crowd type of uh, the average. These people need to be challenged. They need continual growth. Um, so no social tennis then? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, probably yeah, not for, for, for a person like me. Uh, I've never really enjoyed social tennis. Um, uh, everything for me has to have some form of purpose. Um, so, yes, uh, with these people, they're, um, especially the high performers, they're insanely driven. Um, but when we look at these people, the one area that we really find it's really important to them is they need mentorship. Um, they need a, a strong mentor to um, to help them out because the, the, one of the byproducts of a person who's very very who has a lot of energy is to have these fluctuations of energy, and so you'll you'll notice that they come down. It's like the sugar hit. They come down. And they need to be brought up again. They need to be always reinforced. So um, you need to be prepared for that because you'll often find a lot of these high performers have very interesting, I'm not going to go into detail, but have very interesting lives outside real estate. 
and that affects them. So in, in, in one way, do I advocate them having some form of help? Yes, definitely. Interesting. And so in the most recent magazine, you talked about the importance of building an attraction agency. Yep. What do you think are some of the must-dos for agency owners who want to build an attraction agency like Outwardly? What does that look like? Uh, for myself, uh, I, I would rate um, leadership is really, really important and culture within the business. Um, it, and obviously, if uh, success attracts other success. And if you can build a team that works together as a team, I mean, everyone's after, you know, salespeople are after commissions, but there is a way of how you manage that. And these people re really need strong development, development training that is transformative. I've always, I've always been really, really interested. The higher a person succeeds, the more self-transformation they actually want. And it's actually different. They, 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 personal skills and personal transformation seem to rise as, as if they're wanting to explore their potential. And the competition is not with other people. It tends to be um, they're looking to achieve their own personal bests all the time. So the training has to be, I suppose, a little bit more different than if you're looking for grassroots type of work. And that's what actually attracts people. I mean, if you think about all the top um, teams in the world, why do people queue up to go to Apple? Why do people queue up? Why, why are players so hell-bent on going to either Barcelona or Manchester United? There is some form of attraction happening, which is a culture, which is a history. And uh, it's stability, but growth. And um, these these teams are always seeming to evolve their game they're always it's like today is not good enough for tomorrow but they're not looking for huge growth they're just looking for little bits of improvement on a daily basis and i think an attraction business is one that steps up its game it's not doing the same thing over and over again which is um i would have to say that the real estate industry is is probably guilty of that for, for a lot of reasons um, it's a very process driven industry and when you're married to the process it's very hard to break it. Um, where hard work is kind of rewarded, but you you fail to realize that the whole environment of real estate is changing due to technology. Yeah, well, that's interesting. I mean, a lot of agents have relied on technology during the last, you know, 12 to 18 months. Um, how do you see technology making an impact, particularly when it comes to communication in the next 12, 12 to 18 months, is it going to increase or? Definitely. There's some technology that we uh, are using that we haven't, uh, we don't talk too much about. But all I can say is that Amazon business is estimated in the next five to 10 years that nearly $12 trillion worth of business will be done um, uh, over the internet where there's going to be little engagement with the salesperson. That's a phenomenal amount, whether it's pro products or services. And the engagement with the consumer will be towards the end of the sales process versus the start. So, um, and, and talking to a few people in the IT sector that I work with, with the hallmarks of um, any type of business is whereby the salesperson actually builds effective communication, um, let me say skills, the ability to build empathy, to, the ability to 
uh, move away from what I call um, selling to serving. Um, and, and why I'll say that is because um, here's an interesting side note is the automotive industry is going through dramatic change at the present moment. Um, a couple of the uh, large companies like Mercedes-Benz and, and, uh, and Honda are now taking away dealerships and now they're becoming agencies, which by you'll be able to buy a car on the internet, it'll be the same price and you'll go into a car dealership, which will not be a car dealership, but to be uh, served like a concierge. So they're actually removing the sales functionality. Now, yeah. that is a total paradigm shift of how the automotive industry is going to be operating. Can you imagine a lot of car dealerships actually becoming service-orientated places? Salespeople will disappear. How are the automotive industry preparing themselves for that? Is that all about inbound content marketing and nurturing strategies and things like that? Or Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I would have to say, um, some of them aren't well prepared for it. The only one I actually see that is well prepared for it is actually Tesla. Hmm. And they're a technology company, not a car company. And so AI and all these areas is, is going to play a, a significant aspect. And just talking to some of the guys in the IT sector is what's going to um, keep a salesperson's relevancy is the, uh, is the, the involvement of their communication ability and specifically what they spoke about, their emotional intelligence. How well do they get along with other people? How well do they actually read the signals? How well can they relate to people versus just crunching out the numbers, as, as you can see? Yeah, we live in interesting times, don't we? Well, absolutely. And the technology uh, has been fast-tracked due to COVID. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, like I think one of the things that has occurred with COVID is as consumers, we've become a little bit more keyboard warrior, haven't we? Like yeah. not not necessarily in, in, the, in the combative sense, but definitely in the research till yes. our fingers bleed kind of sense yes. so that we don't have to deal with the person yeah. as much. Yeah. 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 So it's click and collect, right? You can buy a car now. On click and collect, you don't have to, you have to see someone. You go to the website, look at what you want, your options, there's the price, no negotiation, and you, you put your credit card in, you put your finance in, all done over the internet without any interaction with any salesperson. Now, um, the, 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 that's an interesting phenomenon. If that kind of model comes into the real estate industry, what are agents going to do? Um, and, if, and the one key thing is if the agent is to have a long-standing relationship with their clients, well, they better uh, increase their ability to relate to their clients. And that's going to be the biggest thing because it's a significant person at purchase. And I think a lot of people still want that connection with the salesperson. But it's interesting how the commercial real estate has, has a lot of commercial real estate is bought unseen, is bought with no interaction with the salesperson. It's all over, over the line of emails. So yeah. it's, it's coming. What is the number one skill for remaining relevant for a real estate agent in the future? I would say the ability to communicate effectively and to build long-term relationships with your clients um, because uh, that it, an emotion is what carry, it, it creates a memory in people. 
um, is you know when they talk about first impressions. If you are an empathetic salesperson, you understand how people feel, and you have your radar, your emo emotional intelligence is something that needs continual work. It's it's like going to the gym. If you stop going to the gym, you lose your fitness, you lose your muscle. Emotional intelligence is, is such a muscle that needs continual work. It's not something once you've got it, that you've got it forever. That's IQ. And I think, you know, I spoke about the aspects of emotional intelligence are empathy, resilience, restraint, rapport. Um, uh, you know, you, you must have these and develop them. Um, and, and that's, if we're talking about the hiring of salespeople, the most important thing that I would say uh, when you're hiring a salesperson is, I would have to say two, two areas, empathy and resilience. Yeah. Well, they're so essential in real estate period, yeah. aren't they? Absolutely. Without it, if you don't have empathy, how can you understand what a big feel? Yeah. So last time we caught up, we talked about um, dealing with uncertainty um, and the current market is still pretty uncertain, you know, yes. even even with the guarantees of roadmaps. Well, the guarantee is there is no guarantee, right? <laughs> roadmaps out of lockdown and stuff. Yeah. Um, any tips for agents for pushing through the current um, type of market that we're in? Well, I, I think one of the most important things that uh, if I'm an agent is to have um, conversations with people. It's really important that um, unless you're willing to engage in having effective communication with people, it's going to be very, very difficult to actually have, a, you know, no one's going to know you. And that's where social media comes in place. But your content has got to be refreshing. Um, you've got to be contributing. You've got to become some form of thought leader in your area about something, stand for something. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, I see these people always putting their posts up of I've sold this, I've sold this, I've sold this. That's fine, but what else can you do? How can yeah, you contribute yeah. to uh, someone's insight about property or purchasing? Something a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more there. Yes. Um, so, Pancho, it's been fantastic catching up with you as always, and we're going to leave a bunch of links in the show notes to some of the stuff that we've talked about today, including some of your articles and how you do the testing of, of employees and, and yep. all of that sort of thing. Um, but as you know from your many appearances on our show, there's one final question that I ask everyone, yes. and that is, out of all the stuff that we've talked about today, if there was mm -hmm. one piece of advice that you'd like to leave everyone with or one final thought, what would that be? Life is all about uh, progression. And, it, it, you know, when people say life is not, is not an end destination, um, one of the key things that what COVID has taught us is that we need to continue to be looking to improve ourselves in whatever way we can do something to improve yourself because um, if you put too much emphasis on the end result, you live and die by those end results. And and some people uh, are very, very fragile, whether they're succeeding because of the end result or they're failing because they didn't get the end result. So we, we need to continually look at improving ourselves, our, our characters and how we contribute 
to other people's lives, I think it's really, really important to focus on contribution. Yeah. So one 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 small step forward every day rather every day. than yeah. Yeah. Rather than taking a hundred steps, do something to improve yourself every day and, and really think about trying to contribute to other people and you'd be surprised at how it comes back to actually help you in your business and in your life. Yeah, amazing. That is great advice. Pancho Marocha, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been really nice being here. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate podcast. With thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joineliteagent.com.